It's here. Here we go. It's my favorite time of year. Cody. It's my birthday. Just it, kidding. <laughs> this, is, this is the reveal bonus session. But bonus session. we have reveal conference coming up. Oh, my what, gosh. What are you most looking forward to at reveal conference? I think what I'm most looking forward to is um, the, the Chick-fil-A at the mill with the mill team. You know? I mean, how many of y'all like Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is pretty great. I like, I like Chick-fil-A. I mean, the worship, that too. The wor- I mean, the worship's pretty good. I guess. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's decent. It's, but I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited for tonight. I, I'm really excited for tonight, guys, because we've got a special treat. We've got Pastor Phil Daigle in the house, everybody. Pastor Phil hails from the wonderful city of Houston. No, and, he actually uh, lives in Austin now. I, I I know, but he hails from hails. That's what I, that's what I said. He hails from Houston. Oh, okay. right. Born and raised in Houston. Yeah. So, so don't come at me like that, Cody. Sorry, my bad. I'll let you God. finish. Go so, ahead. So, Pastor Philip, he, he has been a longtime friend of mine. In fact, Cody, you grew up with him, right? I've known Phil a long time. <laughs> Probably a little too long, if you, you know what I mean. No. Why did you... Phil's one of my very best friends. I don't know immediately. Your voice I went changed into, like, when you said that. Long, long, long ago. <laughs> so, so. But he, he's a great guy, isn't he? Amazing. I mean, so, I've known Philip. He's been like a, a big brother to me. And uh, just a huge voice in my life and just been uh, just a, a great friend. And I'm excited uh, that you guys get to meet him and you get to hear from him tonight. I know he's going to bless you. Absolutely. Bless your socks off. Pastor Phil, he, he's never met a stranger. He, he is one of the most energetic people I know. And that's coming from an energetic person myself, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet all over the room as we welcome Pastor Philip. Hey, can y'all just give it up for Pastor Mikey and Cody? Man, aren't they awesome? Don't you have the best youth pastor in the world? Man, guys, I gotta tell you, I'm fired up to be here tonight. Um, I, I am... I am a man of passion, okay? I'll just tell you right now. I, I, I have two gears in life, and it's, it's stop and go. I'm going to just tell you right now, it's on go. Because we're at Revealed Conference 2022, and God is going to do something so amazing and so incredible in our lives. And I'm, I'm so fired up to be a part of it. And there's some things as I was standing right there that I, I knew that I wanted to say, and I, and I want to be intentional about this moment. And, and there's going to be a lot of people say things throughout this conference, but I want to be the first just to say thank you to Pastors Dusty and Kendra Dean. For me, my story is it was 2014 and I was sitting right over there early on in my ministry, early on in walking out this calling that I felt like God had for me. And it was on a Saturday night and Pastor Jabin Chavez was preaching. And, and I, you know, I can't really explain it. I, I can't tell you what happened in that moment. But I know that as I stood in front of those seats, the power of the Holy Spirit rested on me, but not just on me, on my life. And it, and it changed the direction and the course of my life. Now, I know Pastor Dusty, when he, when he started this thing 15 years ago, I doubt he had this in mind. I, I doubt that he knew what was going to happen from it, but he set out like Abraham not knowing where he was going, but, but living out a life of faith. And what's happened is thousands and thousands and thousands of young people's lives have been changed because of a couple that stepped out in faith saying, we're gonna follow after what God has for us. And I'm just saying, thank you, Pastor Dusty. I love you. actually think we could stand. I know it's the first night. I know we're just kind of, it's like a bonus night, but could we stand and give it up for Pastor Dusty and Kendra Dean?
You may be seated, man. It's, it's one thing to have a dream, and it's another thing to walk in the dream. And it's so amazing to see what's happened these last few years. And Pastor Dusty, I love you, man. I, I've looked up to you many times hearing your sermons, um, hearing you at Now Camp. And, and I, what I loved about you is that you were such a fun, real person, that you were anointed man of God, that you would preach the word. But when you weren't on this stage, man, you were such a real guy. And I love that so much about you. And I'm honored, so honored to stand in this moment. I don't take it lightly. I, I, I don't take it for granted to stand on this stage. And so I say thank you again, pastors Dusty and Kendra. And then to pastors Mikey and Carly Faulkner. Oh my goodness, you guys are absolutely amazing. <laughs> Mikey's right, he, he's a guy and a man of energy and I, I love that about him, but I've had the opportunity just from the outside perspective to watch him as he's led so strong through a pandemic. When, when churches and youth ministries were falling apart, this was a man of strength that, that led through a hard time, that led through tough times and, and it didn't break down in difficult times. In, in fact, he built more. In fact, he said, this is a time where we're going to dig in, that we're going to be stronger, that we're going to come out of this better. And I just tell you, man, from a distance, I've watched as you have loved students. I've watched as, as you have encouraged students. I've watched as you have helped students, and you've been an inspiration to me. Man, when I would see you guys having youth service in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, we don't even know how many people showed up during those times. We're not going to talk about it. But, man, you... You did it with such enthusiasm. You did it with such strength. And what it told people that were in the room, that were in the crowd, is that, you know what, if, if he's all in, you know what, I'm going to be all in. And, man, I just thank you from a distance for being an inspiration. And, of course, Carly, we love you so much. You're, you're so amazing. Maybe even a better speaker than Mikey. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go there. I know it's not a competition, but, hey, you're incredible. And, of course, congratulations for your new son, Brady. Wow, do y'all want a Simba? Do you want to hold him up? I mean, I don't know how y'all want to do this. Do you want to, do you, do you want to? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there he is. Y'all give it up for Brady. And then of course to my friends, Cody and Callie Pierce, man, we love you guys so, so much. Oh my goodness, I, Cody's right. I, I, I've known him for, for too long. We have way too many inside jokes. In fact, I can just look at him and not even say the joke and he knows, he knows it's gonna be funny. But I've known Cody, oh my goodness, for over 20 years. And uh, man, what I love about Cody is his spirit. Like, like, like nobody has a better spirit than Cody. And in a world that wants to rob you of that joy and that peace, here's what I know about Cody. He had to fight to be the person that he is today. You know, when he walks in the room, he brings joy, he brings peace, he brings happiness. He's, he's having fun, he's having a good time. He fought to be that person. In a world that would try to make you conform and be somebody that you're not, I love this so much about Cody I love his heart, and he's, he's walking in this room right now because he's busy serving and helping and doing different things, but man, Cody, I just want you to know how much I love you. I appreciate you, man, and I'm so grateful for your friendship, so thankful for your family, and your family's amazing, um, but I'm so thankful for who you are and the person that you've chosen to be, and I'm so thankful for God's hand on your life. Anybody ready to get into the sermon and the message? Enough of the mushy stuff, let's do this. <clears throat> I gotta tell you, I want you to pray for me. Um, I've been losing my voice. And like I said, I only got two gears, stop and go. Uh, and, and we're gonna be on go, but we might have some flat tires along the way. I might lose my voice as I'm preaching the word of God to you. I'll just hang there with me because we believe that God wants to do something in our lives here tonight. And I, I wanna preach to you from from a message that I, I, I feel like is gonna set the tone for the conference. This is bonus night, but this is the, the, this is the OGs in the room right now. Like this is, this is the real ones. Like 
This is the people that God is going to use to set the tone for everyone else that's walking into this room. And so I want to speak to you. I want to preach to you. I want, I want you to hear my passion and the heart uh, that God has for us to hear. I, I, I just want you to realize that God's for you and he's with you. But I want to preach from this idea. Don't worry about the donkeys. Don't worry about the donkeys. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 9. I'm going to read two scriptures, and we're just going to jump into this here tonight. 1 Samuel chapter number 9. And, you know, before I do that, can I just give it up for Devin Dean? Man, what an amazing dude in the house. Devin, I love you, bro. I love you. Man. The voice of an angel, like the voice of like Fergie and Jesus, like come together. It's just so amazing. <laughs> First Samuel chapter number nine. Kish had a son named Saul who was as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. Oh, and, and by the way, he was a head taller than anyone else. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Jesus, in your name, we are so thankful. We're so grateful to be in your house, to be with your people, to be in your presence. God, I just pray that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts, open up our spirits for what you want us to hear tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. We got any brand new drivers in the house? Anybody that just got your driver's license, you're fired up to be on the road, you, you, you got your driver's license. I remember uh, when I was 16 years old, I... I got my driver's license and I was so excited to like drive places and, and go different places. I was so excited to have freedom to do what I wanted. I just didn't realize that freedom comes with responsibility. And, and so I was having a good time running the roads, hanging out, driving my car, listening to my music loud, having a good time. I had a set of drumsticks for whoever was rolling with me like they could beat the dash of my Honda Accord. Like this was the lit car, this was the party car. We had a good time. I'll never forget, I was having a good time and the music was loud and my, my buddy, he goes, whoop, whoop. And I was like, oh wait, wait, what was that? And I thought he was joking. And he wasn't joking, there was a police car behind me and I was getting pulled over for my very first, my very first ticket. Um, it was a moment of fear, it was a moment of shame, it was a moment that I wasn't proud of because I knew what was gonna happen. My dad said, if you get one ticket, we're taking the keys, we're taking the car, like, like you are not gonna be having that freedom, you're not gonna be having a good time, you're, you're gonna be sitting at home on a Friday night. And so I did what, you know, any normal teenager would do. I just didn't tell them that I got a ticket. I thought that was the, the only option that I had. What I didn't know in that moment is that if you don't take care of the ticket, there are some, there are some consequences. And I, I thought, you know, if I just ignore it, my problem will go away. Like that's how that works, right? If, it, if you don't think about it, it's not a real problem. That's not good advice, guys. I just want you to know right now because I remember at 5 a.m. one Saturday morning, I was laying in my bed and there was a knock on the door. And it was strange because I was like, who would be knocking on my door? Like my parents would just come in the house. And, and so I get up. You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I like to sleep in my underwear. I'm, I'm comfortable. I like to, you know, just be hanging out and... and uh, and so I went to the door thinking it was my mom or dad knocking on the door. And I opened the door and suited and booted right in front of me is a police officer. Complete and utter fear struck my heart in that moment. I was scared to death. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know that police officers did that. Like, I just started thinking, like, did he break into our house? Like, why didn't he knock on the front door? Like, what is this guy doing at the door? of my room and I'm standing there and my wife is, or my, not my wife, my mom is standing there. 
omit that. Standing right here is my mom in her, in her bathrobe, and, and she's got this look. Like she's distraught, like she's upset. And so I'm trying to read the room here. And I'm like, why are you upset? Why is this officer here? And, and, and the officer says, hey, on so-and-so night, were you speeding through the city of, of Pearland? And like, like the world started to like cave in on me. Like I, I felt like I was starting to black out. I was like, yeah, that was, uh, that was me. And he said, well, son, uh, you, you did not pay your ticket. And now you've got to go to jail. I looked at my mom, hoping that she would be of help to me. I looked at her in that moment. I'm like, can we take care of this right now? Like, can we pay the ticket? Can you, can you bail me out? Can you help me in this moment? And I look at her, and she is crying her eyes out. Her baby boy is going to jail over a speeding ticket. And so I'm standing there in my underwear, and then I'm kind of confused because I'm thinking, are you taking me to jail in my underwear? Like, can I put on my clothes? And he's, he said, just turn around. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's not letting me put on my clothes. I'm having to go to prison in my underwear. He handcuffs me. I'm standing there. If you've ever been handcuffed, you know you have to flex for no reason. So I'm just standing there. I'm nervous, but I'm still flexing. I don't even know why. I'm just, I'm handcuffed, looking at my mom crying. Looking at the officer, like, why would you do this to me? Like, you're taking away my freedom. Like, you know, you have better things to be doing right now. You should be fighting real crime. I'm not a criminal. I'm just having a good time listening to music. And, and so then he says to me after this whole ordeal, he says, all right, I think we taught you a good lesson. He said, let's, let's take off the handcuffs. You're, you're not going to jail. He said, your mom wanted me to teach you a lesson. And I look at my mom who's been crying her eyes out like the world is caving in. And I'm like, you did this. This is your fault. I'm like, why are you crying right? Why are you dry up those tears? I'm not even going to jail. I've been in therapy for my mom trying to arrest me. I forgive you, mom. I don't, I don't, I still haven't. I'll, I'll never forget the moment that I realized the officer was there for me. I'll never forget the moment that I realized it was, that it was my fault, that no matter how hard I tried in that moment, I, I could not fix the situation that I was in. That no matter how much I wanted to, I, I could not change what had been done. And today, maybe you don't have an unpaid ticket, maybe your situation is not like that, but maybe and most likely you walked into this room with some baggage of the past that you wish that you could change. Maybe you even picked up some baggage along the way from last reveal to this one and when preachers begin to preach and they begin to talk about the, the past and mistakes and things of the past, when someone talks like this, you go to that one place. You go to that one decision. You go to that one moment, the thing that you wish you didn't say, the thing that you wish you didn't do, the thing you wish hadn't happened. Maybe it was something that you did. Maybe it was something that was done to you. And when we talk about the shame and the guilt and the baggage, it's where our mind goes. And you've tried to fix it, and no matter what you do, you cannot change the baggage of the past, just like I couldn't change the situation in the moment. You see, in this story in 1 Samuel chapter number 9, we're introduced to this guy named Saul, and the Bible describes him in this moment as being the most handsome man in the land. Oh, and by the way, he's head and shoulders taller than everyone else. You see, Saul was the guy that girls wanted to marry. He was the guy that guys wanted to be. This was the guy that I wanted to be growing up. My only desire and goal in life was to be taller than six foot. But just in the last two years, I've been 
embrace the idea that I'm going to be 5'11 and a half for the rest of my life. I'm also in therapy for that. I, I wanted to be over six foot. In fact, when I was 13 years old at West Memorial Junior High in Katy, Texas, I was 5'11 and a half. And God struck me down in my pride as a basketball player. And I have not grown a half inch since I was 13 years old. All I wanted to do, I know, I know, it's terrible. All I wanted to do was to be head and shoulders taller than everyone else like Saul. I don't feel like that was too much to ask for. But Saul was the one that everyone wanted to be. Saul represents potential. Saul represents possibility. Saul represents in this moment what, what could be. And that's what you represent here in this room, whether you know it or not. If you are in this room, you represent potential. You are full of potential. You are full of possibility. You are full of opportunity. And this is why I love speaking to this generation because I know that there is someone in this room that God is going to use to change the world. I know what this room represents. I know the capabilities. I know the possibilities. I know the potential. When I was 17 years old, my dad for my birthday gave me a book called How to Be Like Mike. That's why our generation was so great. We, we didn't get books like How to Be Like Le LeBron. We, we got books like How to Be Like Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But in this book, Michael Jordan said, I play each and every night. I give it my very best because I know that a father and a son, they may be watching me for the only time that they ever watch me in person. So I'm going to give it my best. Can I tell you tonight, I'm preaching to you tonight because I'm reaching. I believe this with all of my heart that I might have one shot to convince you that there is a calling on your life, that there is a calling on, on the inside of you, that there is something that God wants to do on the inside of you, that God wants to use you. And whether you realize it or not, does not change the fact that you are a chosen generation that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a city set on a hill. God has called you. God has anointed you. God has placed his hand on you. Yeah. And it's in services like this that change the direction of your life. It's services and conferences like this when he calls you and he reminds you of your calling and he reminds you of your potential. And the truth is once you've experienced that calling, well, once you've experienced the goodness of our God, you cannot go back. You cannot stay the same. You, you won't be the same. You can't stay the same. I tell you, students and young adults all the time, I'm so sorry. We have messed you up for life. Because once you've been introduced to the presence of God, nothing can replace it. No party, no relationship, no addiction. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry, this is what's gonna happen. Once you've experienced the goodness of God, you're gonna be hanging out at a party, like wanting to be like everybody else, do what everybody else is doing, and in the back of your mind, it, 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 the hand of God has not come off of you. Here's what happens, like, I, I can't be here, like there's something greater for me to do, there's, there's something more for me to do, there's something that God has in store for me. You can't stay the same once you've experienced the goodness of God. But the problem with Potential is that potential on its own means nothing. Man, I'm so thankful for my Houston Rockets. Last year we had the number two pick. We picked Jalen Green. Come on, somebody. A man full of potential. Now, our goal this year is to lose as many games as we can because I believe that God is going to provide the number one pick in the NBA draft. Man, I appreciate that, Pastor Cody. I hope that's not the most amens I get here tonight. And the reason why we love this, because we like to draft a player based on potential. But the truth is tonight, you can't, you can't win on potential. You can't grow on potential. Potential is nothing if it stays where it is. The thing about potential is that it has to be activated. We all have a gifting. We all have talents. We all have abilities. We all have a calling. We all have potential. 
Romans says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. In other words, he is not sorry that he has put that potential inside of you. He is not sorry that he's called you, but there is a difference between being called and walking in that calling. And if you sit on what you could be, you'll never be what you're supposed to be. That potential has to be developed and you never know what your true potential is until you put it to work. And Saul is this guy with high hopes. He's got all this potential. He, he's the best looking. He's the tallest. Like he's got so much going for him. And when you look at him in this story, he's in an odd place. Like the man that's the best looking with the most potential, when we see him in this story, we find him where he's sitting and watching some donkeys. Psalm chapter or I'm sorry, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3 says, Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go look. Go look for the donkeys. We don't know much about the donkeys. We just know that Saul is this dude that's full of potential, and yet he loses the donkeys. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know much about donkeys. I didn't do a lot of scientific research about donkeys, but I just, I just believe they're not very fast. I don't, I don't think they're very smart. This, this individual saw to lose these donkeys, he has to be high key, not caring about the donkeys to lose the donkeys. <laughs> Saul was tasked with watching the donkeys, a mundane boring, seemingly insignificant task. And I just believe the reason is because Saul thought his potential was greater than his assignment. Because he sees it as an insignificant task. He, he sees it as beneath him. Like, like dad, I'm I'm so, do you know who I am? And in fact, some people say I'm the best looking in the land. I'm, I'm head and shoulders taller than anyone. And, and you're asking me to watch some donkeys? Like I'm above, I've got more potential than this. I, I've got a greater future ahead than, than watching donkeys. I'm taller, I'm better, I'm smarter. I, somebody else should watch the donkeys. The moment that seems insignificant and seems like it has no bearing on anything now has the power to change his entire future. It's amazing how many life-altering decisions are made in moments that we don't think matter. And here's what happens when you don't think a moment matters. You aren't careful with the decisions that you make in it. When you don't think a season is important, you don't manage your time. When you don't think a season is important, you don't evaluate your relationships. When you, when you make decisions in moments that you don't think matter, you experience consequences that go far beyond those moments. Saul assumed that potential would save him, that his potential would bail him out. It's amazing how many times this happens. Like, like I thought it didn't matter for me to get into that relationship. Like I, I thought it wasn't important. I, th I thought it didn't matter in that moment for me to go to that party with that crew of people. I thought it wouldn't matter if I just did what everybody else was doing. Life-altering decisions are always made in moments that we don't think matter. And tonight you need to know this, that we're born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our decisions. Can you imagine Saul scrolling through Instagram, getting caught up in seven to 10 second reels? I don't know who that's speaking to here tonight. Maybe somebody, maybe me. I don't know, but he, he's sitting on Instagram looking at reels and all of a sudden he looks up, oh shoot, where are the donkeys? Like I, I, I had one job, like Saul's that guy, he had one job. He's like the guy at the baby reveal. He's like the guy at the engagement. Like all you had to do was get a video. All you had to do was get a picture. You had one job. Like, like, don't screw this up. And Kish shows up, and he says what any good dad would say. He said, okay, you lost the donkeys. You're going to find them. I can hear myself saying it to my three boys right now. Like, you, you lost your baseball glove. You're going to go find it. Go find the donkeys. Whether you realize it or not, tonight, 
the donkeys represent a huge mistake that he and his servants set out to fix. And this is Saul's attempt to make things right. This is Saul's desire to to fix what he messed up. The Bible says in verse 4, So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area of Shalisha, but they did not find them. They went on to the district of Benjamin, but they did not find them there. Verse 5, when they reached the district of Suf, Saul said to the servants, Let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. By the way, I guess Saul has a sense of humor, like you got jokes right now, like that's funny. Saul and his friend go town to town, three days and 45 miles on foot, trying to fix the failure of his past. They go from thing to thing, place to place, and ultimately, They come to the place where they have this realization, we are not gonna be able to fix this mistake. They went everywhere, but they ended up right where they started. And this is what we do in our search in life to find what we've lost. We go from relationship to relationship. We go from job to job, from addiction to addiction, from source to source. Maybe if I get that person, I'll feel better about what I lost. Maybe if I get those likes on Instagram, maybe if I'm known for this, maybe if I have this reputation for being this person, maybe this is the place where I'll find what I lost. Maybe this is where I find what I'm missing. Maybe if I get into that school, maybe if I get this attention, maybe if I get noticed for this, maybe if I'm known for this, and as we continue to search from town to town, from thing to thing, we come to the realization that we'll never find what we lost. And the only thing worse than failure is continued failure, and this is the story of sin in our lives. This is what sin cycles do in our lives. We fail, we try to fix it. We fail, we try to fix it again. We even try to do better, try harder. We come to church thinking it will grow our self-discipline or or fix a situation or possibly even fix us. And that's the story of our lives. We said we would do better, but we never let something empower us to be better than us. Can I tell you, you are never going to overcome the thing that is defeating you by being stronger, by having more discipline or trying harder. The way that you overcome is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the strength, through the help, through the guidance, through the leading of the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Holy Spirit is. If you've never experienced the Holy Spirit in your life, it's, it's fuel for the fight and it's strength for the journey. Yeah. And in Samuel chapter 9, verse 6, Saul says, hey, let's go back, man. Like, it's done. We're not going to find him. And his friend, his, the servant says, look, in this town, there's, there's a man of God and he's highly respected and everything that he says comes true. So let's... Why why don't we try the man of God? Tonight, the man of God represents God himself. The prophet was the voice of God to the people. And pretty much what he's saying, we've tried everything else. Like we might as well try God. Like, Like we've looked in every location, we might as well try God. Maybe, just maybe tonight, the thing that you're looking for is not found on Instagram. Maybe the thing that you're looking for won't be found in that relationship. Maybe that the thing that you're looking for isn't found in sex. Maybe the thing that you're looking for isn't found in a substance. Maybe the thing that you're looking for isn't found in fame or success. Maybe everything that you need is right here in Jesus. Maybe, just maybe everything that you're hoping for is found in him. And so Saul doesn't disagree, but his answer is so each and every one of us. (laughs) He he says in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, he says, well, okay, if, if we go, like what can we 
give the man. The food in our sacks has gone. As we've gone from town to town, we've run out of resources. As we've spent our lives trying to find what we've lost, like we don't have anything to give to God. This is what we do with God when we make the church more about our talent and what we have to offer and what we have to give rather than what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. We come to this moment where I've, I've tried everything else. I've done everything that I possibly could. I've tried anything that would help me find what I lost. What? But now in this moment, I've got nothing left. Like what would God want with me? What would he want with a person that can't get over an addiction? What would he want with someone that has no talent, knows no ability? Like, I get that he wants to help them. Like, they've got talent. They're the best looking. They're the tallest in the land. Like, they've, they've got potential. But why would he, why would he want me? I've got nothing to give. You see, Saul was so aware of his own deficiencies. Saul was so aware of what he did not have. Saul was so aware of his lack. Saul was so self-aware of what he did not have that he was dismissing the possibility of what could be. Can I just encourage you tonight? Don't let the thing that's limiting you keep you from your potential. I, I, I get it. Like we all have insecurities, we've all got doubt, we've all got fear about ourselves. When we look in the mirror, we only see our lack. We see what we don't have, we see what we wish we had. You may be very aware of what limits you. You may be very aware of your deficiencies. You may be very aware of your insecurities, of your lack. You may be very aware of what you do not have, but I'm here to tell you tonight, can you give God what you've got? When you give God what you have, even if it's nothing, God can take your nothing and he can turn it into something. You see, nothing becomes something in the presence of God. God takes what you've got. God can do more with a little bit. God can do more with your insignificant thing. God can do more with the life that you think you've ruined. Jesus is preaching to 20,000 people and he says to his disciples, what do you have? Not much, like not enough, not enough for this moment. Like we don't have enough, Jesus. Jesus says, give me what you've got and I'll make it more than enough, even a little bit in the hands of God is more than enough. Your inadequacy, your inability to measure up, God can still use for his kingdom. First Samuel chapter nine, verse 15 says, now the day before Saul came, or if the, if the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel about this time tomorrow, I'm gonna send you a man from the land of Benjamin. And he's going to be the ruler over my people of Israel. He will deliver them out of the hand of the Philistines. <laughs> this is what I love about God. This is what I love about his house. This is what I love about his people. If, if it's me and I'm describing Saul, I'm describing Saul as the guy that can't even watch donkeys. Like I'm not letting him off the hook. Like it's, it's like when one of your friends messes up. You can't wait to tell everybody else about it. Hey, this is the guy that fell down in the lunchroom the other day. It was amazing. No, if I'm introducing Saul, I'm introducing him by the thing that everybody knows him as, the guy that doesn't have the ability to even watch donkeys. He can't even manage his own resources. Like if I'm introducing Saul, if I, I, I'm leading with this guy is so entitled. He, he thinks he's so tall and he thinks he's so good looking. He can't even watch donkeys. He can't even manage what he's given. Here comes Saul, the guy that can't manage his own resources. Here comes Saul, the guy who had it all. And now is desperate to fix 
what he broke. This is what I love about God. As God introduces Saul to Samuel, he doesn't introduce him by his mistake or his mess. He introduces him by his potential. God does not identify him with the failure that he is currently in, the guy that screwed it all up. Here comes Saul. Here's who he is. He's going to rescue my people from the enemy. He's going to rescue my people from the Philistines. This is what I love. This is what I love about God. He doesn't call you by the sin that you're in here tonight. He doesn't call you by that mistake or by that mess. He doesn't call you by the thing other people know you to be. He calls you not by where you are right now. He calls you by who you are going to become. He calls you not by where you are, but by where you're going. Yeah, yeah, you you lost some donkeys. Yeah, you were entitled. Yeah, you were selfish. Yeah, you dropped the ball. Yeah, you missed the moment. Yeah, you blew it, but I see you in your potential. I, I see the man that you're going to become. I see the person. I see the husband. I see the mom. I see the pastor. I see the friend. Because I see you and your potential. I see you, who you're going to become. Is anybody thankful tonight that God calls us by our potential, not by our mistakes? Saul, he's going to be the one. Yeah, Saul, the, the one that blew it all, he's going to be the one to deliver my people. And Saul and Samuel meet. And I'm, I'm sure in this moment... Saul is going to imagine how this moment is going to go. I'm sure he imagined what it was going to be like. And I'm sure he imagined that when he came to Samuel saying, hey, I lost these donkeys. Can you help me? I think at that moment he imagined that Samuel would say, hey, you should look over there. Like, have you looked in this town? Like, hey. Did you look over there? Did, did you run harder? Did you look harder? Is there, is there something else you can do? Maybe you haven't looked everywhere that you should. And this is what each and every one of us do when we come to God expecting him to fix our situation. We expect the word of God to say to us, be better, do more, try harder. But instead, Samuel ignores the question about the donkeys. And he said, let's go up to worship. Hey, Samuel, I've got this problem. I've got this mess. I've got this issue. Can you help me fix what I broke? Can you help me find what I've, what I've lost? Samuel, the voice of God, the presence of God, the Spirit, it's in that moment, he says, hey, why don't, why don't we go worship? 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 19. He says, yeah, I'm the prophet. He says, go up ahead of me to the place of worship. You see, in that moment, Samuel's message was, you don't have to find what you were looking for. Let's just go worship. I think God looks at our struggle and our attempts to fix our broken past. And he doesn't meet this with condemnation. He doesn't meet our mistakes with shame and guilt and asking us for more effort. Matthew chapter 11, his words, he says, all you who are weary, every one of you who are tired of looking for what you've lost, all of you that are tired and, and heavy burden, come, come to a place of worship, come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. Tonight, there are many in this room that you've been chasing and you've been looking for the wrong thing. You've been chasing donkeys. You've been chasing your mistakes. You've been chasing your own brokenness, hoping that maybe one day you'll recapture the thing that you lost. Tonight, can I tell you, you'll never reclaim your innocence, but you will claim your future. You, name, you may never find what you lost, but you will find out who you are going to become. You're not just the son of Kish anymore. You're about to be the king of Israel. If you're tired, come to me. If you're heavy burden, come worship. 
Samuel says, we're gonna go worship. Saul agrees and Saul is essentially saying in this moment, I'm done. I give up. I'm tired. Like, maybe I'm just not gonna live up to my potential. Maybe, maybe I'm not just gonna be the man that Kish thought I was gonna be. I know he had high hopes. I, I was somebody that had a lot of potential, but in this moment I've looked, I've tried to fix what I messed up and I can't fix it anymore. I, I might as well, might as well go worship. Saul says, let's try this. Let's try this God thing. In verse 20, by the way, verse 19, he says, go worship, verse 20. <laughs> At the beginning of verse 20, it's just like a little side note, <laughs> but I can't get past it. So, so Samuel says, oh, oh, by the way, <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, the donkeys, you know, the donkeys that you were looking for the, the whole chapter. It's about you trying to find what you lost, the donkeys. Oh, and by the way, don't worry about the donkeys that were lost three days ago for they have been found. And I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. You see, Samuel doesn't know the backstory. He doesn't even address the backstory, because when you come to a place of worship, what you've lost is not near as important as the person that you're going to become. The moment that you surrender to God, the thing that you've been trying to fix, the thing that you've been trying to, to make right, the thing that you've been trying to replace, the thing that you've been trying to find, the moment you surrender, oh, oh, by the way, don't worry about what you lost. Don't worry about that mistake. Don't worry about that failure. Don't worry about what's been done. What you thought was lost is always found in the presence of God. You see those lost donkeys, that's just a part of your story. It's just a page in the book. It's just a chapter in the book. Those lost donkeys, that is not your story. That is not your identity. It's just a little blip in the radar. Oh, by the way, don't worry about the donkeys. By the way, don't worry about that mistake. You're not just the son of Kish. You're about to be the anointed king of Israel. Don't worry about mismanaging your resources. Don't worry about what you messed up, but just come to a place of worship. The thing that you thought was going to disqualify you is actually the thing that leads you into the presence of God. You see, when we come face to face with our sin and our consequences, we realize that we are in desperate need of a savior. You see, I, I tried to ignore the fact that I got the ticket. <laughs> I thought if I, if I didn't address it, if I ignore it, maybe it will just go away. Can we do that with our sin? We, we say, oh, you know what, if I just ignore the fact that I've, I've looked everywhere, I've tried to fix it. Maybe if I ignore it, it will go away. But then there's this moment where we can't run anymore, we can't hide anymore, and we stand face to face, and we see who we are, and we realize in that moment without a Savior, I'm not going to make it. You see, it's only in a place of worship when you see God for who he is, when you see God for what he can do, when you realize what he's done in your life, you come to this place, I am nothing without you. It's only in a place of worship. I think the reason why I wanted to preach this sermon tonight is because I, I feel like this is the story of my life. See, when I was 20 years old, I, I had an amazing dad. I had, 
had an amazing father who, he raised me so well. He, he put some great things in my heart, in my life. He was a pastor that loved God and he loved people. He, he was what you want in a pastor and a leader. He lived at home what he preached. He made life fun. And I'll never forget, I was 15 years old and we were standing in the garage talking and he said, hey son, I, I've got to tell you something. He said, I, I found out today, I went to the doctor and I he said, I found out that I've got cancer. And, and in that moment, he, he lied to me. He didn't, he didn't mean to, but I've always hung on to these words. He said, don't, don't worry about it. He said, everything's gonna be okay. And as a 15 year old, that was a promise. It was a promise that I don't have to worry. I watched over the next five years, my dad, who was this strong guy, got up, played basketball and racquetball every day. I watched for five years as he slowly got worse until I remember the moment that, that I was losing something that was so important to me. And in that moment, I, I began to run from town to town. I began to run from thing to thing. I, I said, maybe if I pray more, maybe if I try harder, maybe if I look over there, I'll, I'll find the secret thing that'll help my dad live. Man, I, I, can't, I can't lose these dogs. I can't lose this. I'm not ready to face the world. I'm not ready to walk through this thing alone. And I went from place to place. And when I was 20 years old, I, I lost something that was so, it was so dear to me. And I spent the next 10 years of my life, I actually talked to my wife about it today. I, I don't know why, but I, I didn't really deal with it. I, I ran from it. I thought if, if I ignore it, if I ignore what I've lost, man, maybe, maybe it won't be a problem. And me and my wife got married in like the first two years of marriage for no reason. I was just crying all the time. I, I'll never forget we were watching a movie, <laughs> emotional movie about losing a dad, going back in time. Like who watches, who makes movies like this? I start crying in the middle of the movie, but it's not like, like crying, it's like sobbing. I go get in bed and I'm just laying there. I'm not even crying, tears are just rolling down my face. My wife is like, it's been 30 minutes, are you still, are you still crying? <laughs> you see, because in my own way, the way that I dealt with it, I, I was looking in all the wrong places. I was doing what we all do. Maybe, maybe it's in this town. Like, maybe it's in this relationship. Maybe it's in this addiction. Maybe, maybe if, if people know me for this, maybe if people identify me as this, I, it'll replace what I, what I lost. It wasn't until I was standing in a service like this And I decided to come to a place, a place of worship. Where I said, God, I'm, I'm tired of looking. I'm, I'm tired of searching. I, I've gone everywhere. I've looked every place and I can't seem to find what I lost. God, I... I give up. I just, I don't understand it all, but in this moment, I, I'm just gonna stand in this place and I'm just gonna worship you for who you are. I don't understand the things in life. I don't understand why I had to go through some of those things. All I know is that you're greater. All I know is that you're higher. All I know is there is none beside you.
that moment of worship, all of a sudden, the thing that I had lost began to grow strangely dim. It, it wasn't that I forgot that I lost my dad. It wasn't that I forgot in that moment what had happened. It was that as I began to worship, here's what God said. Oh, and by the way, the thing that you were looking for, that affirmation, that strength, the thing that you were looking for is found right here in the presence of God. Today, maybe, maybe you've lost something that's important to you. Maybe it wasn't even your fault. Maybe it was something that was taken away from you. And you've, you've spent the last few moments, no one knows, no, no one has an understanding, but in, in your own private moments, you're, you're searching. Maybe... Maybe, maybe it's here. Maybe if I do that funny thing on TikTok and, and people know me as this beautiful personality and maybe if they get to know me, maybe, I, maybe I'll find what I'm looking for. Can you, can you just for a moment, can you stop searching? Can just for a moment, can you, can you give up? Can you, can you stand in his presence and say, I'm, I'm tired? At the beginning of Reveal 2022, can you start this conference off at a place of worship? Can you come to a place of worship and say, I'm tired of looking. I've got some baggage. I've got some things that I've lost. But in this moment, all I want to do is stand in this moment and worship you for who you are. Can we stand all across this place and just take a moment? Can we come to a place of worship? Oh, by the way, don't worry about what you lost. Oh, by the way, don't worry about what you're looking for can you stand in his presence uh, man you're not just the son of Kish you're not just the person that couldn't manage his resources you're about to be the king of Israel you're about to walk into your purpose. You're about to walk into your destiny. There's some people that are in this room that God has placed his hand on you. He has called you. He's placed his anointing on you and you spent your life worrying about what you've lost in this moment. Can you stand and worship him for who he is and realize that he's got something greater. He's got something better. Who you're going to become is greater than what you've lost. Can we just put our hands together and say thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus for your grace.
So. Yeah. 